Welcome to this special episode of BAM, that's Boris and Matt Weekly. On this special episode, we're going to be chatting all things G1 Finals. Thursday, we saw the champion of the G1 crowned, and what a tournament, what a climax, dare I say. Uh Uh, We're going to be chatting all things about that, and you know, we're going to be giving our thoughts about the overall tournament, uh, and then obviously, we're going to be chatting about what we think about New Japan moving forward. We're your hosts, I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by Matt. Bonjour. How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. Boris, you said I was going to hate the song you picked for the intro, and boy, were you right. I generally like Fall Out Boy, but that is a terrible Fall Out Boy song. Oh yeah, they they for sure fell out, and they're boys. (laughs) They have fallen out a little bit. eh? Yeah, the new stuff, not quite as good as the old stuff, IMO, anyway. But yeah... Uh, you might be able to say the same about New Japan if you wanted to be a dick about it. Hey-o. However, Boris, hey However, Boris, this final, uh, specifically the actual final match of the New Japan G1 Climax 32, it went over the max. It was an awesome match. It was an all-time classic, I would go as far to say. Yep. It was Ex- it was absolutely brilliant. Exactly, and that's uh Kind of my thing here is like, you know, we know that this G1 seems to be very, very polarizing from the roster to the, the the format of there being, you know, the four groups to a lot of things. The crowd, um, you know, it was a very polarizing tournament. I saw on the on the SNME Facebook group, a lot of people said, ah, oh, look, no one's even talking about the G1. No one cares. The format this year sucks, blah, 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 blah. But let me tell you this, the past two shows, and I'm specifically talking, you know, the actual G1 matches. So the semifinals and the finals, those three matches, man, like, I wouldn't say all-time classics, but most likely all three matches are going to end up on our list at the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I would think this one that we're going to talk about the final, I think that was an all-time classic, probably not the semis, but there may have been two or three other all-time classics in this tournament. Like, you can say whatever you want about the format, and I couldn't argue that. And I do think excitement was down for the G1 this year. Part of that was is just residual uh, leftover from the pandemic, right? Like, the excitement yeah. is just down in general in New Japan, unfortunately. But if you look at the top 10 matches of this tournament, man, and you stack them against any other year, it holds up just as well. Like the top 10 matches of this year are fabulous wrestling matches, must see, like usual. So the G1, I think, delivered this year. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, per se. Like I say, I think there was just a lot, right? Like, like a lot going against it. Number one, I think a lot of people really like the fall G1. Us included, yeah. right? I think, th- to me, that really hurt it. Well, something that has not only hurt uh, New Japan and, and and a lot of people's, especially in North America. Like, remember, when we talk New Japan, we talk about it from a North American perspective. Um, you know, I know that it's a very different feel in Europe and in Japan itself for New Japan. So we're talking as, a, as, as people from the continent of North America here. And this is the first summer in two years that we can 
actually do something. So I think that people are really taking advantage of that. And, and you know, people are kind of just going out, having fun. And I know that the counter argument of this is that, you know, AEW and WWE are doing well, but they're north american centric right i think people are aren't going out of their way to watch new japan pro wrestling this summer because well they have a thousand and one other things to do absolutely also man i wonder if new japan being on aew and not really impressing kind of letting some people down i wonder if that hurt a little bit as well so i i, I don't know there are factors at play obviously but i still think like if you think this was a terrible waste of time, that's absurd and wrong. Like they it, lo looking at the top matches, it was as good as any other G1. Now, day to day, was it as exciting? Obviously, it wasn't. Obviously, it was not. Yeah. We're going to talk about kind of direction of New Japan. It's something that here on BAM we've talked about quite a bit. And I think this is a perfect time to bring it up again because, you know, when we talk about who won the actual tournament, I got to. I have questions. I'm happy with the results. Love the match. But I have questions for the future of New Japan Pro Wrestling. But, man, before we get to the show, Thursday, a random Thursday in the middle of August, you know, when, when, when New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, scheduled the G1, didn't you think that this would have been the biggest wrestling story of the entire day? <laughs> it was safe to say that probably at yeah, the G1 Climax on a random Thursday, you know, you never know with this year, though, man, with 2022 shit be popping off. It's crazy all the time. Right? Like, what a year for Jason Agnew to take a step back from SNME and having, you know, the, the new era, uh, SNME 2.0, for lack of a better term. I should really not use that term. But, you know... <laughs> <laughs> But, like, what a year it's been for all of us. So, you know, Matt and I were kind of discussing this. We're going to focus on New Japan Pro Wrestling news today, but there was other big news. So, NXT Europe and the cuts at NXT, uh, we're going to be chatting about that on NXT Talk. NXT Talk is usually available on Wednesdays. Uh, that's the Wednesday show. So, if you want to listen to our thoughts, because we do cover NXT quite religiously, including NXT UK, um, you know, be sure to check that show out. It will be a patron-only show next week. Um, also, next week on BAM, we're going to be having a grand debate. Yes, sir. So the CM Punk controversy, if you're a, uh, if you're a wrestling fan, you're probably aware that CM Punk on Dynamite apparently went into business for himself is the reports. So in a nutshell, uh, the report is that CM Punk set a line about Hangman Page, called him out, called him a coward, knowing he wouldn't come to the ring. And apparently that was not scripted, not planned. Hangman didn't know it was coming. Nobody knew it was coming. It was CM Punk just doing a thing. So we're going to bait. We're going to debate if that was real. We're going to debate a lot of things. I think we're organically on opposing sides of the fence on this one. But yeah, we don't want to talk about it too much because, A, we want more information to come out. We'd like to see, you know, how this develops uh, over the next couple of days. And, B, we want your opinion. So I posted a Facebook thread uh, talking about this. We want to hear from you. Do you think it's real? Do you think it's fake? Do you think that they're going to do Punk versus Moxley again at All Out? Or is this a clever way to start steering away from that match at All Out? We want to hear from you. 
So exactly. that's that is the biggest story in wrestling right now. We had to address it on this show, but we don't want to spend too much time on it. Exactly. It's crazy though. Like when I quote unquote woke up yesterday, and that's like that didn't happen, but as yesterday <laughs> was unfolding, as a Thursday unfolds. Man, just seeing all, everything happen with NXT and the, the the whole punk hangman stuff, I'm like, wow, poor, like, it. this year has just been absolutely insane. But having said that, New Japan wasn't quiet because there was some New Japan news. And because we're going to be talking New Japan G1, Matt, I think that we should talk about some of the New Japan news that did come out yesterday. Yes, sir. So first and foremost, to me, the biggest story that came out yesterday is that Wrestle Kingdom is back down to one night. It is January 4th, and now the January 5th show is once again New Year's Dash. I'm loving that. Look, I think that a two-night show works for certain cases, right? But I really do feel that, like, you know, the and, and I think this was more of a pandemic thing. I don't know, but I wasn't feeling the two-night Wrestle Kingdom. I don't know if it's just the way that, you know, New Japan creates their cards, but I just feel like, really, New Japan is better off just having one long-ass show as opposed to two cards with a shit ton of filler matches and, you know, the, 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 the second half, the last quarter of the show being the meat and potatoes, right? So I, I, I prefer Wrestle Kingdom being one night and I love the fact that we get New Year's Dash back on the 5th. Like, that for me was such a tradition. All the years that I've been watching New Japan Pro Wrestling, and it has been quite a bit, having that January 5th show, um, uh, you know, it was something that I always looked forward to because that was always the night where something huge happened, right? Not like, it's, it, it's kind of like New Japan's Raw after WrestleMania, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. And I like I like that show a lot. And it's cool to just get it done fourth, fifth. I I see the pros and cons, man. I think it's good to have two pay-per-views, two WrestleManias. They sell so many more tickets. Everyone gets on the show. They make so much more money. You can understand why a business would do it. But also New Japan's pretty thin right now. I don't think they would produce two good wrestle kingdom shows this is for the best this year and maybe it's a case-by-case -case basis moving forward right yeah exactly and i think that's exactly it like I, I know the first year that they did this in 2020 i believe it was you know it was almost something that they needed to do because of the whole you know the there was just a lot going on I believe the next year they had the the championship controversy being settled right uh so it makes sense and I like that, but I think that the state that New Japan is in right now, it's just a clever, and, and you can make New Year's Dash feel like a huge show, right? You can take some of the matches that you would do on a Wrestle Kingdom card and just move that to New Year's Dash and really get that big show feel, that Raw after WrestleMania feel. Yeah, and that's what they're going to do. I think it's going to be for the best. I hope it continues. But even for this year, it's fine. It makes a lot of sense to do it in 2023 with the thin roster, unfortunately, that New Japan has. And maybe yep. we will see, like, maybe part of this is they're not getting as many AEW wrestlers or any AEW wrestlers over. I, I think, like, a Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. or Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay, which I do actually think will happen on Wrestle Kingdom still. But... Uh, either one of those matches, you know what I mean? Not being on the card is a huge blow. So, 
Yeah, agreed. Agreed 100% with you on that end. And I think that we will see some of those matches on Wrestle Kingdom. And to me, it, like having that one night show, oh man, you can just get some amazing, amazing stuff. Um, who knows, right? It could be like the a, 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 a secret Forbidden Door 2 for all that we know. Yeah, it might be. And that would be very interesting. But yeah, it's kind of cool getting back to the tradition of Wrestle Kingdom, like the best show of the year, like starting the year off right, saying like, okay, motherfuckers, follow this. You know, I like it. Get back to the Wrestle Kingdom roots. Yep. So New Japan Pro Wrestling getting back to its Wrestle Kingdom new roots, but also expanding when it comes to their partnerships uh, and, and the parent company owning both New Japan Pro Wrestling and Stardom. Because yesterday, on Thursday, it was announced via a press release that Stardom Talent will be appearing on the Rumble on 44th Street event taking place in New York City on October the 28th. Yes, sir. So, New Japan Rumble on 44th Street, live from the Palladium Times Square, Friday, October 28th. It's a pay-per-view. It's going to include Stardom. That's dope. Tickets on sale August 25th. Uh... New York City. That wouldn't be the worst show to go check out. Agreed. And what the other cool part about that, or interesting part, I guess, is that, you know, on November 20th, uh, you know, New Japan and Stardom are going to run their first ever co-promoted show in Tokyo. So, you know, I, I'm loving this. I'm really enjoying this. And I hope to hear more news about the IWGP women's title by then. 100%. Yeah, that's a excellent way to uh, help make the roster seem a little, you know, more substantial. Like adding stardom to New Japan shows is a great idea. I'm surprised it didn't happen 10 years ago, honestly. Oh, I know, I know. But I think it was just a different mentality, right? Like, especially when it comes to wrestling in general. Wrestling has a very different, in, in Japan at least, it's a very different mentality, right? So having the Joshi promotion, promotions kind of didn't put pressure on New Japan or any of the other promotions to have women, right? So I think now that New Japan is really trying to expand uh, with their New Japan strong and having that American presence, I think they've seen that from a business point of view, from an expansion point of view, that this is actually a requirement. Yeah, requirement in this day and age, I think is well put. I think you're right. That's the difference. It is now absolutely required of them, and that's why they're starting to do it. Yep, exactly. All right, so that is the big news coming from New Japan Pro Wrestling, and all the NXT news and the AEW news are going to happen in their shows next week on the Patreon feed. Remember that if you want to listen to these shows, go to patreon.com slash SNME Radio. For $5 a month, you get every single show we produce, which is a show each and every single day. Plus, you get the flagship show earlier on Sunday, uncut, unedited and you you know it, it's really bang for your buck uh you get also the 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 link to our zoom meetings for every after party and just remember that in september we are going to be having tons of shows to kick off the month so man just busy time busy busy time fun time but matt i think it's time for us to chat about the g1 finals Awesome, buddy. I agree. Let's get to it. New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax 32 Final, August 18th, 2022. You want to take the undercard and I'll take the main event? Oh, you know it, buddy. All right. So before we start with the undercard, 
I do want to point something out because I typically watch New Japan in the English feed. Kevin Kelly, he's Kevin Kelly. Like there's just something about him and his understanding of New Japan and he the way that he tells the stories, I think adds to the overall New Japan product for English listeners. He's not really the best play-by-play guy, but it's his storytelling and his interactions that that really make me enjoy watching New Japan Pro Wrestling in English. Now, you know, we've seen plenty of people with with Kevin Kelly. We've seen Don Callis. You know, we've seen plenty of other people with them. Lately, for the longest time, it's been Chris Charlton, uh, and he's really been used as kind of like more a translator at first, and now he's just Kevin Kelly's right-hand man. Chris Charlton might be one of the most improved commentators in the industry. Yeah, man. Chris Charlton, at first, was a little bit of uh, an acquired taste, maybe. I didn't like his work, but he's gotten awesome. He's, uh, He's really injected some emotion into his pure knowledge like his knowledge was always 10 out of 10 a plus he was always very very intelligent but sometimes it could be quite dry and now i think he's really towing the balance of being an entertainer while also imparting his knowledge and it's great he is an excellent commentator he's the new mike Tanay. chris charlton is I think so. I think that's a perfect person to compare him to. And like I say, like you know, between Charlton and 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 Kevin Kelly, like just the storytelling that they do just adds so much. I don't know what, especially because I feel like they feel that they want to ensure that the English viewers know exactly what's going on. So they do a great job of really like adding that extra layer to the shows. Yeah, big time. You know what would be a fun top 10 for us? We should do top 10 commentary teams. We can do current and all time. It could be two different lists. Oh, man, that would be awesome. That would be a lot of fun because I already know what my top is right off the top of my head. Oh, really? What is it? It would probably be uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura. Oh, that's hilarious. I was thinking either Gorilla and Jesse or Or Vince and Jesse. (laughs) Literally exactly the same. (laughs) So funny. Gorilla. Gorilla and Bobby also high on the list. And honestly, JR and King, like prime Monday Night Raw, JR and King. Also, JR and Paul Heyman, that's your top five, maybe, right there. And also, sh- uh, you know, a huge shout out to Shane McMahon and Jim Cornette when they did Sunday Night Heat. <laughs> Debatable. Debatable. <laughs> also, Tim Storm and Velvet Sky. No, not that. Definitely not that. We are joking. Sometimes when I make these jokes, I know as a fact that people think I'm being serious because I get messages about some of these some of this stuff. <laughs> like what? You think bad dude Tito is better than Okada? Like, no, no, that wasn't serious. I don't actually think that. Yeah, it's so funny. All right, let's talk some finals. All right, so the first match was Chaos, Hiroki Goto, uh, Yoshihashi and Tomohiro Ishii and Yo versus House of Torture, Dick Togo, Evil Show, and Yujiro Takahashi. All right, so Yo was featured a lot in this match. Uh, Dick Togo, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's House of Torture. You know, Bullet Club-esque. You get all the craziness you get stuff the referee distractions at one point the referee was being distracted distracted dick chokes yo but chaos breaks it up uh they all start beating up on dick in the corner yes i said that you're welcome (laughs) Uh 
Um, Yo then drills Dick into the canvas with the direct drive for the pinfall in 7 minutes and 20 seconds uh, so that Chaos wins. After the match, Yo was being attacked by House of Torture. Chaos saves him. So we're seeing this continuation of Chaos versus House of Torture moving forward. I feel like Vince Vaughn in old school right now. Like, that's enough, Frank. You don't need to celebrate it. <laughs> Uh, but it sounds like uh, it sounds like a good little opener here. I like to see Dick Togo, man. He's actually underrated all time. Dick Togo in his day was an incredible wrestler. Yes. Oh, yeah. Big time. Uh, second match, TMDK, Bad Dude, and Bad Dude Tito and Jonah versus Team Filthy, Royce Isaacs, and Tom Lawler. This match was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this match. This match only went 10 minutes, 30 seconds. Uh, Jonah did his thing. Jonah was Jonah. Jonah was Ro uh, Bronson Reed, uh, or Reed Bronson, you know, anyways. No, he was uh, Bronson Reed. You got, you got it right. Reed, right? I'm like, wait, was it Bronson Reed or Reed Bronson? Oh. <laughs> yeah, the uh, yeah, he was Jonah Rock and then Bronson Reed and now simply Jonah, all caps Jonah. Yep. Anyways, he hits a torpedo for the pinfall in 10 minutes, 31 seconds. This match was a lot of fun. I really enjoy this. Like, I think anyone who listens to BAM knows that I am a huge Tom Lawler fan. Yeah, these are four, at least three BAM boys here. We love Jonah. We love bad dude Tito. We love Tom Lawler. Uh, not really a strong opinion, positive or negative, on Royce Isaacs. But it, you know, it's fine. Yep. He is what it is. All right. Third match. <laughs> he is United, what it is. He is what it is. Third match. United Empire. Aaron Hanari, Great O'Conn, and Jeff Cobb versus Bullet Clubs. Juice Robinson, Bad Luck Valley, and Chase Owens. Uh, you get the usual start brawl breaks out. Hanari, uh, you know, gets his ass kicked by the entire Bullet Club. Uh, the end of the match saw Juice Robinson go for a diving crossbody, but Cobb catches him in midair, does a tour of the islands for the win in only six minutes and one second. Is it just me or has Juice Robinson been, if you'll excuse the pun, beaten into a fucking pulp lately? Like <laughs> this guy had a lot of momentum. And what happened? He's a he's a jabroni now. He was the IWGP US champion. You have this huge storyline between him and Will Ospreay, but he being Juice Robinson is getting his ass kicked left, right, and center. It's almost Similar to the way that Austin Theory is being used in WWE, where he's just such a goofball and he's losing it's left, like, right, and center. It's a really good call, man. Great shout. It is. He is. He is the New Japan Theory. <laughs> Fourth match. Saw Los Ingobernables de Japón, Tetsuya Naito, Bushi, and Sonata versus Suzuki Goons, Lance Archer, Zack Sabre Jr., and Tai Chi. This match... I don't I can't I can't even count how many times I've seen this match. <laughs> right? And, this particular and, group of uh, not not necessarily this group of six, although I'm sure this group of six a couple of times, but definitely Suzuki going versus Ingobernables is like once a show. Yep. Naito uh runs to fight Tai Chi. Tai Chi gets taken out by Naito with a sunset flip of uh, sliding dropkick combo. Archer choke clams Bushi. Archer holds Bushi for the Yokozuna elbow from Tai Chi for the pinfall in eight minutes and one second. So Suzuki Goon win this match. You know, like like we just said, you've seen them one, you've seen them all, and it's a New Japan undercard match. Nice. Well, it, I mean, that's fine. That's that. That is this show. I I am excited for. 
the future Zack Sabre Jr. Naito matches that we're going to get. They have awesome chemistry. Exactly, and that's exactly what I was going to get to because after the match, Sabre starts stretching Naito. Um, you get the whole Bell stuff. You get the Young Lions coming out. So it looks like we're going to see a Zack Sabre Jr. Naito uh, program moving forward. Let's go. That'll uh, keep, uh, keep them busy till Wrestle Kingdom at least when Danielson hopefully comes in. Yep, exactly. All right, Los Ingobernables, Shingo, uh, Tagaki, and Hir- Hiromu Takahashi versus Bullet Clubs, El Fantasmo, and Kenta. This match only went 8 minutes and 39 seconds. Uh, LIJ double teams El Fantasmo. Uh, he then, uh, him, El Fantasmo, and Tagaki go back and forth with a bunch of near falls. El Fantasmo kicks Tagaki in the balls, rolls him up for the win in 8 minutes. 30, 39 seconds, Bullet Club wins with a kick to the balls and roll up. Your favorite finish in all of wrestling. So yeah, of note here, if you have not been paying attention to the tournament super close, El Fantasmo has officially moved up to the heavyweight division. And in, in a couple back-to-back shows, he's kind of screwed over Shingo and uh, kicked him in the nuts here and pinned him. So looks like El Fantasmo in the heavyweight division and his first feud is against former cruiserweight Shingo Takagi. So that makes a lot of sense. All right, get this match. This match was sixth. You know, it's it's one of these one of these things is not like the other, in my opinion, but not really, but it, it, it's a standout for me. It's kind of like that sore thumb, but in a positive way. Not that a sore thumb is ever positive. I think <laughs> you and the listeners hopefully know what I mean. I, I have no fucking idea what you're talking about. Please continue. Hiroshi, no, Tana- I feel you. I feel Hiroshi you. Tanahashi and David Finley versus the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows, and Carl Anderson was the next match. So wait, who? what's the thing that, that is? The, who's the sore thumb? David Finley. Like, yeah, he's okay. getting this new push, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. David Finley is ascending a little bit up, up this New Japan card for sure. Yep. All right. So we see a double team from the Good Brothers on Tanahashi in the corner. Uh, Yano shows up and he squirts Anderson and Gallows to break up the Magic Killer. Gallo chases Yano because that's been a thing for the past few months. Finley hits Prima Nocta on Anderson. Tanahashi hits a sling blade and does his high fly flow for the win in 10 minutes and three seconds. Your winners, Hiroshi Tanahashi and David Finley. I wonder if I grabbed just an average fan of wrestling who like kind of knows New Japan and said the never open weight champion was in this match. Which of the four wrestlers do you think is the never open weight champion? I, I bet the person who has the belt would be guessed fourth. Um, You, you know what? You're 100% right. You are 100% right because people would put money on Doc Gallows before Anderson. Yes, yeah, if you have forgotten Carl Anderson, your current never open weight champion. I forgot, so I'm sure a couple of us out there did as well. So you can't call it the never forget belt. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> I like that one for some reason. All right, next match was, you know, our boy Tamatonga and Kushida. What a team. Tamatonga yeah. and Kushida versus Bullet Club's Jay papers. White and Taiji Ishimori. Dude, this was a fun match. Nice. Yeah, four guys that we like on this show. Ishimori's underrated. Jay White, one of the best in the business. Tamatonga coming along. And Kushida, also extremely underrated. So, this match. I was having so much fun. 
only went nine minutes and 30 seconds. This was a lot of fun. Kushida is back. Seeing Kushida just wrestling this way just makes me super happy. I, You know, Jay White's just been the MVP for the longest time. Ishimori is always a fan favorite. And Tamatonga is probably one of our most improved wrestlers uh, from 2021 leading into 2022. Match was a bunch of fun. Ishimori tries to take advantage of a distraction. But Kashida catches him and puts him in a small package for the win in nine minutes and 30 seconds. There you go. So this is setting up two future title matches. Uh, Kashida is going to go for Taiji Ishimori's junior title, obviously. And Tamatonga is going to go for Jay White's heavyweight title. Yep. That's a main event down the road. Possibly the main event of that New York October show. Either that, or I can see that that being the main event for their King of uh, Pro Sport or whatever that's called, uh, their yeah. October show. King of Pro Wrestling, right? Yeah, that's yes. it. Yeah. Are, are they are, are they still doing that? They probably I, are still still doing that in Japan, right? Yeah, I'm assuming so. I'm assuming so. Yeah. All right. Well, this leads us into the main event, which will happen to be the G1 Climax 32 final. And oh boy, oh boy, did we climax. Matt, take it over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, well put. I want to credit Suit Williams from Voices of Wrestling for this point. Uh they do this all the time in New Japan. He called it the white whale booking. And it's just like the the person, the long-term storytelling of somebody not being able to beat an opponent and then finally being able to do it. So Okada, for example, not being able to beat Hiroshi Tanahashi in the Tokyo Dome. That was his white whale. And he did it. Naito's white whale, like just being in uh the Tokyo Dome in general, arguably Naito, you can say whatever Naito's white whale is and maybe he hasn't hit it. We know what Will Ospreay's white whale is, Boris. It's beating Okada clean in the middle of, a, of the ring in a big match. And he couldn't do it here, but he got as close as he's ever gotten. And this was just an amazing match. Osprey worked something of a baby face in this match, I thought. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't the... Will Ospreay from the previous match against Naito where he was a smarmy asshole. This was like a scrappy underdog Osprey. Exactly. That was the part that I was so curious about was watching just the change in 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 Osprey and it was more like you said the white whale, right? Like it was yeah, it, 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 it was it was interesting. Like I, I I it was so curious, but he played the role so well. Now the big story leading into this match was specifically the fact that, like, you know, Will Ospreay said that over the next 24 hours, I'm going to study video and tape of everyone who has beaten Okada over the past few years, and I am going to figure out the code. I'm going to figure out how to beat Okada. That was the big story leading into this finals. Yes, and it would play out during the match. So, the match really started pretty much right away with Okada hitting two DDTs on the floor on Will Ospreay. And from that point forward, Ospreay was fighting from behind. He was the babyface trying to overcome uh, the final boss of pro wrestling in Kazuchika Okada. So yeah. like you said, they did. Uh, go ahead. No, I was just agreeing with you. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Osprey did get back on control. He has this new uh, cross-legged tombstone thing, similar to a Mike Quackenbush move. Perhaps it's the Quacken Driver 2. I forget which uh, Quacken Driver number it is. But Osprey quacking off some tombstones here, Boris. Uh, hits the hidden blade 
But Okada kicks out of the hidden blade, and this is where Osprey goes into film study mode. So he takes the springboard forearm, he takes the Styles Clash from AJ Styles, takes the high fly flow from your boy Tanahashi, and I, Okada just kicks out of all of it. Yep. I love that. I love that. But at the same time, okay, here's the thing. So I loved it, but at the same time, it's one of those things that make me go, hmm. So we talked about this on the previous show uh, during the semifinals, and that's finishing moves don't mean anything. So I was upset with the fact that Okada got up from the hidden blade. Now, I wasn't up upset with the fact that Okada was able to get up from all the other finishers, like the Styles Clash, the High Fly Flow, etc., etc. And the reason for that is, in my mind, you know, when you have a finisher, it's your finisher. You are the best at performing that move. That way, that means yes. that you know how to do that move the best. It's like, you know, it, it, it's a reason why I always say HBK super kick is the deadliest super kick because it's coming from HBK, right? The DDT, uh, Jake Roberts DDT is the most devastating one because he knows how to execute it perfectly. So 100%. Okada, Okada getting up from all the moves made sense in my head. And I wasn't angry because of the fact that this is Will Ospreay imitating and doing moves from other people knowing that these are moves that beat okada 100 i've always thought a pro wrestling video game should do this but think of it like skyrim right jake roberts's ddt is level 100 gold max he's maxed that stat out Shawn michaels's hbk is galaxy opal super super tier Sweet chin music, right? Like the HBK sweet chin is the ultimate sweet chin card, you know? So that's why these people have mastered these techniques. And that's why Shawn Michaels's super kick is better than Nick Jackson's, right? Um, I, I also think the G1 final is the place to do the finisher kickouts. The story of the G1 is it's over the max. It's everyone goes all out every match and it's a complete war of attrition. The, the, the last man standing is, you know what I mean? It's the mortal combat tournament of pro wrestling. It is everyone. It's the fight to the death. So I like it in the, in the G one to that point, Okada, after this first series of, uh, of past finisher spam, Okada gets up and he hits a rainmaker on Will Ospreay. I thought that was the finish. Will Ospreay kicks out of the rainmaker, something he did not do at wrestle kingdom on January 4th this year. Exactly. And again, maybe he, he I wish they had sold it a little better in the sense that Okada didn't get all of it. Right. I think that would have been for me a good reason yes. why he got up from it. And I would have accepted the fact that Okada's Rainmaker didn't put Will Ospreay away. Yes. A, a rare miss for uh, Kelly and Charlton, but just a minor, minor complaint, like a very minor nitpick. But I think you're right. Bang on about that, yep. my friend. Yeah. Um, uh, I gotta, I gotta say, I popped huge when Osprey hit the V trigger and the one winged angel. He's just getting to that. So he's ran through everyone else. He's now going to the King Guy Gene, the best foreign wrestler in the history of New Japan, Kenny Omega, the man who had the vaunted the all time great feud with Okada. He hits the V trigger and he goes for a one winged angel, but Okada gets out of the one winged angel, landslide tombstone. Rainmaker, Rainmaker. So the second Rainmaker that he hits, 
oh my god, this reversal. So, okay, Okada hits a tombstone, hits a Rainmaker, lifts up Osprey, tries a second Rainmaker, and Osprey turns this second Rainmaker into a Spanish fly. I jumped off my couch. This was one of the most beautiful reversals I have ever seen in my life. Full stop. This was a fucking incredible wrestling move right here. And also... You know, we were talking about this and Okada's style, how he makes everything seem so seamless. And again, a standing Spanish fly from a Rainmaker reversal. And Okada just made it seem like it was just another move that he can take in his arsenal. Yeah, Osprey too. Like, it was oh, yeah, so yeah, yes. unbelievably smooth. Both guys, 10 out of 10 execution on that one. So Osprey goes for his Stormbreaker. Okada counters that into the reverse neckbreaker thingy onto the knee. I don't know the name. Sorry if that has a name. Uh, Okada starts going to town. Hits an Inziguri shout out to Antonio Inoki. Targeting Osprey's neck, of course. Uh so he goes for his Emerald Flosion, uh, the move that he's been using to tribute Mitsuharu Misawa. Osprey reverses that, hits a Cesaro-style pop-up into an elbow to the face. Just a gross elbow to the jaw. Yep. So just that neckbreaker is called the Air Raid Neckbreaker. The Air Raid Neckbreaker. Thank you very much, Boris. Yes, that makes sense. Uh, okay, so we're right at the end here. Osprey goes for another hidden blade, but Okada hits that, hits his spinning emerald flosion, which I believe is officially the Cobra flosion when Okada does it because he throws a spin in. So Okada hits Cobra flosion, hits a second Rainmaker, and wins this match to win the G1 Climax 32. Absolutely excellent wrestling match. Hot final stretch. And this made me want to see Will Ospreay be a babyface again. Yep. That's, I feel like they're teasing it, right? I feel like there's for sure a tease going on with that and just the way that this match went. And I would love to see that as well. This match going 33 minutes and 55 seconds. Unbelievable. All-time classic. Four and a half climaxes out of five, at least, at least. This You could talk me into five stars. You could talk me into this being the best match of their career or, or at least of their feud. I don't think personally it was that high, but I can see somebody feeling that way. It was that good, you know? Yep. Now, with that G1 win, Okada is now tied with Masahiro Chono for the most G1 climax wins. Awesome. He's definitely going to pass that in his career. Probably not next year. I would bet against Okada for next year's G1, especially because he's won the last two in a row. Uh, so here's where I think this is going. Okada, now especially that there's one night of Wrestle Kingdom, Okada versus Jay White will be your Wrestle Kingdom main event. I think second from the top is going to be the battle of the guy jeans, Osprey versus Kenny Omega. And I think Osprey beats Kenny to kind of assume the mantle of the best foreign wrestler in New Japan. And then maybe they'll run it back at AEW Revolution or some AEW show where Kenny will get his win back and they'll split it 1-1. But I bet you, I bet you, Osprey beats Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom. Yep. All right, I have to ask you this. You know, we're seeing Jay White versus Okada at Wrestle Kingdom more than likely. Who do you think is going to win? Okada. Now... Okay, I'm so happy that you said that. We don't rehearse any of this, FYI. So I'm really <laughs> happy that you say that. Going back to what we've been talking about for the past year, since we started BAM, essentially, is New Japan Pro Wrestling just falling back to the to to their regular people, like Okada, like Tanahashi, a little too much? Are they properly building future stars? 
do you think that these, you know, the Jay Whites, the Will Ospreys, the Zack Sabre Juniors, do you think that they should be given more of an opportunity? Or do you think that this is the right move of having people I like Okada it- win and Tanahashi being featured, etc.? I think it's a case-by-case basis. I do think Okada winning at Wrestle Kingdom is the right move. I think he's the man. He is the John Cena. He is the Hulk Hogan. It's fine. He is in his prime. He is in the time where he's just going to win a lot. It's a case-by-case basis, though. Jay White, yes, they have done enough to elevate. I think his career, much better off. Will Ospreay, yes, I think they have done enough to elevate. Career, much better off. Zack Sabre Jr., I think they've done some to elevate him, but every time he starts getting up to right where you want him to be, he takes a convincing loss and does nothing for six months. So, (laughs) well, yeah, Zack Sabre Jr. is almost like the foreigner Naito for me, right? Where he's great. They can use him in main event spots. He's going to give you a banger of a match, but it just he can never stay on top. I think you're right about that. And it's sad. I love ZSJ. He's possibly my favorite wrestler because not only is he a Brian Danielson, possibly better level technical wrestler, one of the great technical wrestlers we've ever seen, but he's secretly an awesome promo and a really fun character. And if you're looking for it, you can see it. Even in his ring work, he like is a very arrogant, very chirpy bastard, isn't he? He's quite uh, vocal, Zack Sabre Jr. Oh, yeah, he he graduated from the Cobra Kai gym. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Love it. So, yeah, I love Zack Sabre Jr.'s work. I want to see him get more. So I think it's a case-by-case basis. Like, they've elevated Tamatanga for sure. For sure they have. Yeah, he's getting his title shot, essentially, at this point, I think. Yeah, so, like, so I think they do elevate people, but you can argue that they've wasted what they did with Shingo last year. He's kind of just nowhere. He's just feuding with El Fantasmo. That's that's a pretty big fall for a former world champion. You could argue Naito's doing nothing. You know, yeah. Tanahashi. So, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Now, that is the G1, and I'm, I am going to say this, just because we did bring up Zack Sabre Jr., and this is the one note that I wanted to bring up. When NXT UK was releasing wrestlers, I kind of have to admit I was really looking for Charlie Dempsey's name on that list. Yeah, just to see him go somewhere else. Although they're apparently very high on Charlie Dempsey, rightfully so. And I think Triple H knows that if he's ever going to get William Regal back in the fold, Charlie Dempsey might be the golden ticket to getting William Regal back. I'm sure Triple H is pissed, pissed off that William Regal works for a different company right now. He is not happy about that. No chance. No way. No chance in hell. (laughs) <laughs> see what you did there buddy alright so that is the G1 Climax 32 the 32nd edition of the G1 Okada is your champion Okada holds the briefcase Okada is tentatively scheduled to face Jay White at Wrestle Kingdom on January 4th man I'm excited but this is now kind of like the the, the, the dull era of New Japan. You know, yeah, they the have that big days. show in October, but after that, it's kind of like, okay, what now? It's the dog days of fall, Boris, but we do have the, the hopefully King of Pro Wrestling and for sure the New York show to look forward to, and it's going to be a fun time. You know, maybe some New Japan wrestlers will be involved with the full gear, which happens in November for AEW. You never know. Exactly, and we have the tag team tournaments if that's up your alley. We have, what I'm looking forward to is the joint stardom shows. That's going to happen November 20th, just four days before my birthday. Man, I should try to, hmm, I'm going to think about this. But yes, ah. 
that would be awesome to go to. But uh, I don't know what the deal is with getting into Japan. Anyways, that is the show. Be sure to listen to BAM on Monday. Be sure to listen to all the various podcasts coming up this weekend, like the Smack Daddies, like my Rampage Ramble. And be sure to listen to Mike McGuire's flagship Sunday Night's Main Event show on Sunday with a huge interview with Brian Gerwitz. That's going to be awesome. And then, you know, we're going to come right back at you on Monday with BAM as we chat about, well, everyone else. He's Matt. I'm Boris. Stay tranquilo. Top 10 matches at the G1 on BAM as well. Yeah, yeah.